Hello and welcome to our channel. We are so happy you're joining us for this life-changing message from Awakening Church. I believe it will bless you. Before you see, just lift a hand or two and say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm ready to receive your word today. In your name, amen. You may be seated. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, some translations say the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Say amen. Today I'm finishing a sermon series that I did called Who is God? And in the first few messages, I talked about the Trinity, the image of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then I went into a Hebrew word, Elohim. This word Elohim contains in itself so much more than just one of the ways that people call the God of the Bible. Elohim in the Hebrew Bible represent a class of beings which are spiritual beings. Whether they be seraphim or cherubim or ophanim, we talk a little bit about the celestial order and the order of angels. We also talked about the fall and gave a context on the spiritual war. And I know that this is the first message that we are releasing in our English channel. So I'm going to work my best to give you context, say context. But also you have to understand that a lot of what I'm teaching is going to be in the context of what I've been teaching for a few months in Bulgarian, which you cannot understand. But what we can do and we will do is that we will link in the description of this sermon all of the Bible verses that talk about my teaching. We'll give you like 45 different references and more than 100 verses if that's a deal. And that way we are believing to give you a good enough context. But today I'm finishing this message. And my message, my sermon is called the Trinity. Say Trinity. Three demons. Say three demons. And three weapons. Say three weapons. For spiritual warfare. If you haven't noticed that, we are part of a spiritual war. Whether you believe it or not, if you are a born-again believer, you are actually taking an active side in a very vicious war. This war isn't a war with an unknown outcome. It's actually a war with a clear outcome. 
we know who wins in the end. We actually say as believers that the enemy already lost the battle. Let me take it a bit further. The enemy already lost the war. But this is not to say that he will not, look, challenge you. He will challenge your victory in life. Talk to me now. He will challenge the promises of God. He will challenge what God wants to do in your life. So we discussed this, but let me give you context. It says God or the God of love. It says Jesus, the son, he is the God of grace. And then it says the Holy Spirit is the God of communion. Now we are not talking three gods. We are talking only one God. Say one God. Say three faces. Just as a triangle has three faces. We believe in God, the Father, right? We believe in God, the Son, right? And then also we believe in God, the Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. Now let me say this. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God. One God, three faces. One triangle, three corners. One of the great church fathers by the name of Tertullian said that just as the sun is three-dimensional, so we can understand the Trinity. Trinity comes from three. You will never find the term Trinity in the Bible. It's not a biblical term, but it's a biblical term. <laughs> it means that although the Bible doesn't explicitly use this terminology, we find actually one of the best formulations of the Trinity in the scripture that we just read. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So the Father is not the Son. We discussed this. The Son is not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. But the Father is God and the Holy Spirit is God and the Son is God. The Holy Spirit was never created. He doesn't have a beginning. He always was. The Father was never created. He doesn't have a beginning. He always was. The Son was never created. He doesn't have a beginning like some of the Jehovah's Witnesses and other cults teach. <laughs> Classical Christianity tells us that the Son was always with the Father. And the Spirit was always with the Son and the Father. And so there are not three that were, but one that is. So the Father is God. Are you here today? The Son is God and the Holy Spirit is God. Say the Holy Spirit is God. Glory to the Holy Spirit. I love doing this in churches when I preach internationally. I always say, say glory to the Holy Spirit. And people are like, they get their, their, their language confused. They're like, the glory to the Father. Jesus. Because many people have a misunderstanding when it comes to the Trinity. They think that there are three ordered 
in order of importance. So the father is kind of the big God. Are you here today? Right? He's the big God. And then we have Jesus. He's a little bit lesser God. Come on, somebody. Why? Because he's a son. But he's not a son like you're somebody's son. Because you had a beginning as a son. He never had a beginning as a son. He's called a son. Only so that you can understand how much the father loves him. He's not called a son because he's a son. And the father is not called a father because he's a father. He's the perfect father, but he's nothing like a human father. He's not a father. Because every father has a beginning and an ending. He's a father without a beginning and without an ending. Every father has a day when his son is born. I have a son. His name is Maxim. He was born three years ago. You could say that he was always in me as potential. But he wasn't always with me as presence. But even if we do this incredible, uh, incredible comparison, it still lacks the fullness of the meaning of the Trinity. Because the son is in love with the father just as a son loves his father. But better. Because we are talking God level here. Okay. Then the father... He calls himself father before there was a father because he wanted to explain how much he loves his creation. So he said, a father. So if you're a parent, God is trying to communicate to you how much he cares, how much he loves, how much he adores this other person in the Trinity called son. Are you here today? So this is why he's, he's communicating himself and revealing himself as a father. He will never be a father like you. You will never be a father like him. But you can only understand a little bit about fatherhood by understanding him. And you can only understand him by understanding a little bit of fatherhood. So in that sense, when we say that the world is messed up because it has daddy issues, we couldn't be right. We couldn't be more correct. The image of the father is the image of God. The image of a son is the image of God. Are you here? And the image of the woman is also the image of God. So God said, let us make men in our image, say image, and likeness, and likeness. And this is what caused the first rebellion in the celestial order. The Bible talks about a serpent, which in Hebrew is seraph, where we get the word seraphim from. It's a kind of spiritual being that actually rebelled against God. It makes sense when you read the Bible in Hebrew. It doesn't make so much sense when you read it in English. Because if you read it in Hebrew, you understand that when it talks about a snake, it talks about a spiritual being, a seraphim. Are you here today? A seraphim that came to challenge humanity because God chose humanity to be the spiritual representer of heaven in the material world. You're an ambassador of the spiritual realm in the material realm. You're sent by God to inspire. You know what the word inspire means? In spirit. You're sent by God to put his spirit... Oh, if you clap, clap like you believe it. You're sent by God. You're created by God to inspire. 
So that's what he did in the beginning. The Bible says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. What is the breath of life? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not air. And man became a living soul. So now we understand that everything in the Bible is three. God is triune. Tertullian said he's like the sun. You have the planet of the sun. You have the light that comes from the sun. And you have the heat that you feel on your body when you're out in the sun. The planet is the father. The light is the sun, Jesus. But the heat that you feel on your body is the Holy Spirit. So now this triune God created a triune build, uh, being. He says, let us make man into our own image. But now we have a problem. Man is created by two components. Number one is earth, dust. In Hebrew, Adam means uh, earth. So when, when God, you know, looks at you, he sees earth. But then he also sees something else. He sees ruach. The word for breath in Hebrew is the word for spirit and air. Ruach. It means much more than just air. The best translation we can give, if we have to choose one word to explain Ruach, the best word would be energy. But this is not a non-personal energy like the New Age people teach. This is the personal spirit energy person of God. So now he gives the spirit, look, and man becomes a living what? Soul. So he was made of two components, earth and heaven, spirit and substance. And the marriage of the material world to the spiritual world is called a soul. That's why when you eat food that was inspired, the food has a soul. That's why when you listen to a music or a song that was inspired, it came through a spirit when something material meets something spiritual. In the unification of the spirit and the material world, Appears the soul. So now we can say that a human being is a spirit, soul, and body. So through this spirit that we have as humans, we connect to the spirit of God. The whole purpose of God from the beginning is to bring humanity in the God. Are you here today? Into the Godhead. Into fellowship. This fellowship is called by theologian the eternal dance of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for eternity from eternity were doing this dance of love. 
What is this dance of love? I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. You're amazing. No, you're amazing. So when we talk about the Father, say Father. The Son, say Son. And Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. They are ordered. First phase, they say, is the Father. Second phase, they say, is the Son. Third phase is the Holy Spirit. But they are not ordered in order of importance. They are ordered in order of revelation. First, in the beginning, the Father was revealed. Second, in the incarnation, the Son was revealed. And third, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was revealed. They are ordered in order of revelation, not in order of importance. So now it says that the Father of love. Remember this. Are you here today? So we say that the Father gives you love. Okay? We say that the Son gives you grace. Are you here? This is what Scripture teaches. And we say that the Holy Spirit gives you fellowship or communion. Do you want to know the Greek word for that? Koinonia. Koinonia is deeper than communion. Communion, Because communion can mean, you know, we had communion, we had fellowship. When you say fellowship, people think of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the fellowship of the rings. I challenge you, try and Google it. Write the word, the fellowship. And Google will give you the ring. They will not give you of the Holy Spirit. But it's a different level of fellowship. Say fellowship. It's koinonia. Say koinonia. Now, koinonia simply means the most intimate communion. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of a deep knowing. Say koinonia. It's not like a surface level of, do you know so-and-so? Yes, I know him. Have you met so-and-so? Yes, I've met him. No. Koinonia is like the Hebrew word would be yada. Say yada. When the Bible says that the people who know their God, it actually uses this word, yada. Know in a very deep uh, koinonia, intimate way. It actually uses the same word for love union. It says, Adam knew his wife. Adam yada his wife and she bared a son. So this means that when you know God in this intimate way, he will impregnate you with something. He will actually leave something in your spiritual womb and you will give birth to something. So now you have the second Eve, you have Mary that says, how will this be since I haven't known a man? And then the angel says, you will know the Holy Spirit. Koinonia. And when the Holy Spirit overshadows you, you will conceive and give birth. So this gives you the whole history of salvation. It gives you the whole history of, of, of the gospel. It gives you the whole history of spiritual warfare. Everything is in this. Why is the Son grace? Why is He giving you grace according to Paul? 
Because before the world began, when God in his wisdom decided to create another being just like him, which there never was something like that. There were a class of beings called Elohim. There was never a class of being that was in the image and likeness of God like humans. So when God decided to create the first man, he already knew. Can I teach? He already knew that the serpent will rebel because of this. Now, this is not in my message for today, but I'm just going to open a little bit, uh, give you some information for this week. Are you ready? By Tuesday, when you have an issue and you're shocked, remember, God is not shocked. On Wednesday, when they tell you it didn't work and you're shocked, remember, God is not shocked. If they give you a diagnosis and say you're sick and you're shocked, just remember, God is never shocked. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. I said he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-present. Clap if you believe that. So he knew that humans will rebel in the first rebellion, which is the rebellion of the snake, the serpent, the seraphim. He knew that angels will rebel in the second rebellion, that is the rebellion of the sons of God, Ben Elohim, Genesis chapter 6. When the sons of God came to the daughters of men and knew them in an intimate way. And then women gave birth to these great men of old who were giants, who had superhuman powers. We're talking Hercules here. We're talking Goliath here. God knew that this will happen because of men. God knew that there will be a third rebellion with the Tower of Babel. When even the human beings and the fallen angels will partner together to come up to heaven. To take God from his throne and to take over. So when he saw history in advance. Because history is nothing more than his story. He said, okay. You're going to rebel? Okay. You're going to fight me? No problem. Oh, you too. I could see that. It's history. For him, history is not in the past. It's just his story. Therefore, the Bible says that the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Why does it talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus? Because the Lord Jesus, not being called by the name Jesus, yet not incarnated, was crucified in the heart of the Father before creation. He gave us grace before he even created us. He gave us love before we were there. And he called us into fellowship. 
Now, when he calls us into fellowship, he does this with one particular uh, reason. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, And his divine power has given us all things. What things? Come on and talk to me now. Oh, some things? This is how you get to be a good father. This is how you get to be a good wife. This is how you get to be a great business person. This is how you get to be a great spiritual leader. This is how you can do all things. You can do all things because his divine power gave you an ability to do all, all, all things. Come on and clap like you can do all things. Now what things that pertain to life? If it has to do with your life, you can do it. Life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory and the virtue. Remember that. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. The word is full with exceedingly great and precious promises. That through this you may be partakers. Say partakers. Of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world through the lust. Some translations say the lust of the flesh. So now God says, I'm going to bring humanity into the dance of love. Into the Godhead. Into our fellowship here. And the only way for God to do that is for God to become a man. So he's incarnated through Jesus. And because Jesus is not 50% man and 50% God, he's 100% God and 100% man. Jesus is the only 200% personality there is. And listen now, because he never stopped being man, he is currently a man. Can I tell you something about God the Son? Currently, he is human. He will never cease being human. But wait, wait a little. He's God. Yes, he is. He's a hundred percent God and hundred percent man. But he will never stop being human. Why? Because through his humanity, humanity can be made godlike. Now listen to this. Some years ago, there were some theologians, look at me, theologians, like this, who were attacking some preachers because they were teaching that we are little gods with small g. So they were attacking them and saying that's a false doctrine. One day I was teaching about humans becoming godlike. And a pastor friend of mine messaged me and he said, I'm not sure if this is biblical. I told him, it doesn't get more Christian and biblical than that, my brother. The Orthodox Church calls this theosis. Theosis means the process by which humans become godlike. I'm not saying you're a god. I'm saying that through this partaking of the divine nature, you're becoming more like God. 
Now, there is one term that Christians feel comfortable using. is the word Christ-like. It speaks of the same revelation. Christ-like, to be like Christ. But it's much bigger than being like Christ. It's like being the son. Being like the son. That's why the Bible calls you a son. Even if you're a female. Because Jesus didn't come just for humans to believe in God. Jesus came so that he can become the firstborn from many brothers. Theosis. We're becoming like God. Why? Because through the human nature of Jesus, we are partaking of the divine. Are you here today? Through the human nature of Jesus, we are partaking of the divine. And through the human nature of Jesus, humanity has a close relative in the Godhead. Do you understand that all the humans are related to God now? He's our relative. Why? Because he's called the son of what? Man. You know that Jesus didn't call himself nothing more in the Bible than the son of man. When they asked him, who are you? He didn't say the Christ. He didn't say, you know, sometimes he responded in different ways. But he responded, the son of man. When he was talking of himself, he was saying the son of man. Why? Because he was doing a reference to the book of Daniel. Where the Bible says that the ancient of days was sitting on his throne. And then one looking like a son of man came on clouds of glory to receive the kingdom and the power and the glory from the Son. Are you here today? So now we talk about the Trinity, say Trinity. And we talk about three evil spirits, say three evil spirits. And we are talking about three major weapons, say weapons of spiritual warfare. So what is the work of the enemy today? Well, very simple. The work of the enemy for the world is to keep them blinded to the reality of God. That's why prayer is such a powerful and important instrument that we need to use in our daily lives. Because prayer is the way we are overcoming daily. Are you here? Even when you're trying to witness to somebody, you don't go just and say, hey, Jesus loves you, this I know because the Bible tells me so. Sounds like evangelism for many Christians. No, first you pray. Because when you pray, you're addressing the spirit that is keeping him blind. Are you here today? And it's much easier for the person to hear and receive than if you just go and talk to him. But for a Christian, it's very simple. Again, the enemy is working to stop, say stop. Postpone, say postpone, or slow down, say slow down, the process of theosis, the process of you becoming like God and partaking of his nature. Why? Because when you partake from his nature, you're coming to a level in the spirit where you're no longer afraid of the devil, but the devil is afraid of you. You here today? You're no longer getting sick because the devil is making you sick. You're making him sick. Yeah. 
So he's fighting you tooth and nail. He's fighting you with all he has, with all his little demons. To stop you from becoming who God called you to be. Because when you become who God called you to be, you will be like Christ. This is what John says in his epistle. He says, we know not what we're going to be, but one thing we know. When we see him at the second coming, when he comes back, we will be like him. Oh, come on. We will be like him. Can I take it further? Then he says, for as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. So what's that warfare we're talking about? Number one, it's in heaven. Say heaven. But remember this, no, 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 nothing is in heaven before it's in your head. Let me show you this in scripture, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, verse 3, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And now listen. I remember growing up in church and, you know, church people would quote these verses and then they would pray and say, we are pulling every stronghold. Now every stronghold in heaven is falling in the name of Jesus. They were praying. They were shaking like the old washing machines like this. In the name of Jesus, we are pulling down every stronghold. They were pulling strongholds in heaven. Because they didn't have context. Say context. Understand, before there is a stronghold in the heavenlies, there has to be a stronghold in your mind. Before there is a stronghold over your life, there is a stronghold in your mentality. You're not sick because you're sick. You're sick because you're sick. You don't have a money problem. You have a money problem. I, I don't know if I'm teaching you. You don't, have, you don't have a situation in the natural. You have a situation in the spiritual. But before you have the situation in the spiritual, it's in your head. Look at your neighbor and say, it's in your head. Remember that. Next time you're fighting the devil, it's in your head. I said it's in your head. I said that it's in your head. Look at the context. It says, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. That's interesting. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then it gives you the big revelation. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The war is a war of thoughts. The enemy is fighting you first in your thoughts, then in your body. And only then you can fight the heavenly battle. You see, if you don't win, if you don't overcome the war in your body, you can never overcome the war in the heavenlies. Are you here today? Because even the enemy can read body language. 
Satan is a specialist at reading your body. So the church doesn't make a great favor to Christians when they teach them just to say the right thing. Are you here today? Like say I'm healed, say I'm healed, repeat after me, I'm healed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm confessing, I'm confessing, I'm confessing, I'm confessing, I'm confessing and regressing and regressing and regressing and regressing, nothing's happening. Can I give it to you like it is? One day I was walking to school. I had an uh, injury in my right, right foot. I was playing a lot of soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. And, <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> I was walking like, like this and tremendous pain. So I'm walking to school. And then I had just read a book that was talking about the confession of faith. So I was saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. And then God spoke to me and asked me this question. He said, does a healed man walk like you? like Pastor Victoria and Daniel, they were our guests at the house. And it was very cold at our house. And, and Victoria was, look, look, Victoria was like this. And then I asked her, are you okay? She said, oh, yeah, 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 sure. I'm very fine. I said, are you cold? Do you need a blanket? No, 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 I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> it's not just what you think and what you say. It's what you do. I don't know if I'm preaching in the right. It's not what you think and what you say. It's also what you do. Because the enemy is a specialist at reading body language. That's why the spirit of religion has convinced Christianity to walk like beggars and poor people and miserable people. Are you here today? Because the enemy knows that even if you have the greatest power, if you walk like a fool. Are you here today? You could have the greatest resource at your disposal, but if you walk like a fool, are you here today? I'm trying to preach to somebody to stand upright. I'm trying to tell somebody that you were made in the image of God. Stop putting yourself down. Stop allowing the enemy to put you down. Change your mentality to change your reality. Am I preaching in the right location? I said, change your mentality to change your reality. You don't have a money problem. You have a thinking problem. You have a behavior, behavioral problem. So we need to address the thought behind the behavior. But we also need to address the behavior. Are you here today? I'm teaching you spiritual warfare today. Spiritual warfare happens first in your head, say head. Then in your body, say body. And then in the heavenlies, say heavenlies. So this is the issue. Let's say that the enemy is attacking you with the spirit of depression. Are you here today? Let's say he's attacking you with the spirit of depression. A depression has a feeling of depression or a thought of depression. Are you here? Also, it has a pose. A behavior of depression. Have you seen depressed people? Are you here today? Look. Is this a depressed person? Look at me. Is this a depressed person? Is this a very sad person? 
So this is how the enemy fights. He creates a contradiction between your beliefs and your behavior. And this is how you fight the enemy. You create a contradiction between what you feel and what you do. I feel like looking down, but I'm looking up. I feel like crying, but I'm smiling. In one chapter of Proverbs, the Bible says in the beginning, a merry heart brings healing to the bones. Are you here today? So the first part of the chapter says, if your heart, emotion, and spirit is straight, this will heal your body. Are you ready for it? The second part says, a smiley face heals the heart. So they taught you that you are fighting the devil from the inside out. But they didn't teach you that you're also fighting him from the outside in. Look at me and smile. Smile the best smile you could do. Please give me your smile. Look at your smile. Keep it up. Give it up. Give it up. Please give it up. Come on. Keep, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Even if you have only one tooth, just show it. Like, come on. Give it to me. Come on. Give it to me. Give me your best smile. Give me your best shot. Smile with your face. Smile with your eyes. Smile with your body. Can you smile with your body? Smile. Now feel sad for a moment. But don't lose the smile. Come on. Try to feel miserable. We just created a contradiction. Somebody will... Mess up the devil this week. I said that somebody will confuse the devil this week. Oh, you should be clapping like you're believing. You will mess him up. That's why the Bible says, sacrifices and offerings. You haven't asked from me, oh God. You have given me a body to fulfill your purpose. The enemy is after your body. Are you here today? Demons are after your body. What are demons? Demons are the offspring of the fallen angels and the humankind. Those are the spirit of the giants. Are you here? It's very clear in the Bible. It's very clear for the Jewish people. Because even when you read these verses in 2 Peter that we read about. Those verses are talking uh, later on about the flood and about the rebellion and actually Peter is quoting an ancient book that is an apocryphal book called the book of Enoch and in the book of Enoch it says very simply it says now the giants who are produced from the spirit and flesh listen now human kind is produced by the spirit and the body. The giants are produced by the spirit and flesh. Shall be called evil spirits upon the earth. And on the earth they shall be. And this will be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies. Because they are born from men. And the holy watchers. This is another term for Elohim. This is their beginning. And primary origin. And they shall be evil spirits on the earth. 
evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. The book of Jude talks about angels who left their dwelling. Verse 11. And the spirits of the giants afflict, say afflict, oppress, say oppress, destroy, say destroy, attack, say attack. And then it says, and do battle and work for the destruction on the earth and cause trouble, say trouble. Listen now. They take no food, but nevertheless they hunger. There is a spirit called gluttony. Ah, I don't know if you're here today. And then they thirst. Although they could never drink enough. There is a spirit called alcoholism. They cause offenses. Oh, this is powerful. Are you offended? If you're offended... This means two things. Number one, it means that you identify with offense. And number two, it means you open to the spirit of the offense. Come, come, let me show this. Let me show this. Now, first you agree with the offense. Let me show you that. So there is an offense in you if you're offended. After this, you should never get offended. Are you ready? So if I look at him and say, you are the fattest the fattest person I saw in my life. Look at you. You're so fat. Look at all this fat. Look at all this fat. You're so fat, man. You're overweight. Are you offended? No. You're not? Seriously, why are you not offended? I, I'm shocked that you're not offended. You're supposed to be offended. Velko, come, son. Come, let me show this. Let me show this. It's like me calling him and saying... Oh, this curly hair of yours is horrible. You have the worst curls in the world. Remove them. Are you offended? No. How come? So when you're offended, it simply means that you identify with the offense. And when you're offended, it simply means that you're opening up yourself, your spirit, your soul for the spirit of the offense. I'm teaching you what has destroyed most marriages and churches today. It's offense. You identify with the spirit of the offense. And by that, you open yourself to the spirit of offense. And you have to understand that according to the Bible, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the fight is in your thought life. And you have to take thoughts, look at that, into captivity. This means that there are some thoughts in your head that are running free. Look at me. Thoughts like, you know, the enemy isn't as stupid as I wish he was. He will never tell you you're fat. He will speak to you in your own language and tell you I'm fat. When you hear the voice of Satan in your mind... It never says you are. It always says I am. I am ugly. I will never be liked. I am afraid. 
I will fail. Why? Because he knows that if he tells you in your brain, you will fail. You will be like, get thee behind me, Satan. It's clear that this is an attack. So he speaks in your language. Can I shock you a little bit? When God speaks to you, he speaks the same way. God doesn't tell you, you will make it. He says, I will make it. Ah, I'm trying to preach here. That's why people who know God are always bold and courageous. Because they hear the voice of God clearly. And the voice of God is always saying, I'm going to make it. I'm going to have a breakthrough. God is on my side. <laughs> Clap if you believe it. That's why it's even hard to know. That's why it's even hard to know. Is it the Holy Spirit or is it my imagination? And maybe one day I will teach you about this. But people are wondering, is it the Holy Spirit or is it my imagination? Why? Because the Holy Spirit speaks your language. So when you look at a lady and this is your wife, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell you, this is your wife, my son, son, son. Invite her to a date. Date, 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 date. This is how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Are you ready for it? He says, this is my wife. You can feel it. This is my business. This is my church. This is my life. This is my call. He's bearing witness in your spirit. You know, a witness doesn't do anything but repeat. Are you here today? A witness says, yeah, that's true. Are you here today? Ah, I saw this. It's very, very true. <laughs> He's bearing witness in your spirit. So now when you understand that your thought life is your spiritual life, you understand that thinking is a spiritual exercise. Uh, but most people don't do this spiritual exercise because they're not thinking. They're thinking. My English is not bad. Your revelation is bad. <laughs> if you're thinking, you're not thinking. For you to be thinking, you must be thinking. Let me explain. Can I explain? Should I explain? So you're driving the car, right? You're the one driving the car. Are you the car? Talk to me. Are you the car? Then how come you're thinking and you're your thinking? When you're not your thinking, you're supposed to be the one doing the thinking. You're not getting it, right? Most people are not thinking. They're foolish automatons. Do you know what a foolish automaton means? It's like a program that runs without you knowing it. Whatever you're doing without you knowing it, you're not doing it. It's being done to you. When you're thinking, but you're not thinking, because you're just allowing your thoughts to just go like... 
uh, imagining that you're dying and your friend betraying you and you're then imagining that your child is sick and then you wonder why your child got sick. Can I preach? Don't allow your thoughts to just do whatever they want. You're the one doing the thinking. You're not the car. You're the driver. Are you writing an email? You're not the email. If you cannot sit and observe your thoughts, you have not yet arrived at the level of spiritual maturity. That's why you don't even hear the voice of God. Because you are not observing your thoughts. You are your thoughts. So God is saying, do this. Then you're like, oh, I'm thinking. No, God is saying. But you're thinking that you're thinking. You're stupid. Can I teach this? Are you here today? Talk to me. So you're thinking. No, you're not thinking. You're allowing spirits without bodies called demons to direct your life in the wrong direction. So that's why it says, hey, this thought, take it captive. I'm going to die. Take it captive. I'm going to lose my job. Take it captive. Oh, this person doesn't love me. Take it captive. Don't say, oh, this is what I thought. Say, this is not me. Why are you always identifying yourself with the worst possible stuff in your character? You know, you ask somebody like, well, why are you like this? He said, ah, it's just me. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just more emotional. Why you never say like, it's just me, I'm just rich? You never hear somebody saying, oh, forgive me, I'm just too blessed. This is just me. I can't help myself. I'm trying to stop it, but I just can't stop it. I'm always prospering. I'm always on top. I'm always winning. Come on, people. It's only DJ Khaled who talks like that. I always win. Shout like I'm sweating here. But you are the one doing the thinking. That's why the most important process in Christian life is called the renewing of your mind. Demons can leave your body, but if they don't leave your mind, they'll go in and out from your body like a house. This is what Jesus said. Why? Because you're empty head. Are you here today? Jesus said, when the spirit leaves, it goes into desert places and then says, I miss my house. Your body, he thinks it's his house. And he says, I'll go back to my house and check it out. So he comes at you and looks at you. You're all cleaned up. You've been to church. You sang your songs. No demons inside of you, but your head is empty. If there is room, he'll come in. Ah, I'm trying to teach. If there is room, he'll come in. That's why the Bible doesn't say, don't invite the devil. He'll always come. It says, do not give room to the devil. Don't give him space. How do I not give him space? Fill up the space. Fill it with the word. Fill it with anointing. Fill it with smarts. Fill it with some books. Are you here today? Fill it with some good information. Fill it with some positive. Shout a little bit. Fill, fill, fill it up. When you're overflowing, the enemy doesn't have room. 
So now, what are the three major spirits? Because I told you I'm going to give you three spirits, and I'm going to finish this very quickly if you can help me, Vince. The three major spirits that torture both Christians and non-Christians alike. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. I was talking, I was discussing this with a preacher and he said, I don't believe that Christians can be influenced by the devil. He said, why? How come? He said, because we are saved. He said, sure we are saved. He said, do you think Christians can get sick? He said, yes. He said, how come do they get sick when they're saved? Can Christians get the flu? Talk to me now. Uh, how are you getting the flu when you're saved? So people think that just because I'm saved, the, the enemy kind of left me. He never tries to bother me. Can I shock you? When you get saved, before you become powerful with God, he will bother you more than before. If you listen to a stupid religious message, nothing will offend you. But if you listen to this message, you'll be offended like a hundred times. Why do you think that is? Because the offense will put you on the defense. And you will not be able to receive what God is trying to communicate with you. It's that simple. So at first, when you get saved, you actually have more attacks than when you were not saved. Can you agree with me? Do I have people that, uh, 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 you remember that? Like, you got saved and you thought, wow, my life is about to get better. And then you get fired. You're like, what happened? You were the manager. Now you're not. Why? Because the enemy will come against you with everything he has to distract you from your calling and from your participation in the divine nature. So you have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God so that you might be able to withstand. And having withstood all things to stand. Woo. Are you here today? So these are the three spirits that come against Christians and non-believers alike. They function a little differently with the secular people. The enemy is just trying to keep them busy. Look at me. Going to work, going back from work, watching Netflix. Are you here today? Being busy, 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 busy. Because when you're busy and you don't have time alone just to be silent for like 10 minutes, you don't ask yourself the tough questions of life. That's why the enemy wants you scrolling on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Because if you stay alone for an hour or two in the silence, you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear the voice of your spirit asking you questions. Questions like, why am I here? What is my purpose on this earth? Is there a life after this? Is there a God? Guess what? As soon as you start asking yourself, you start hearing. You start hearing God speak to you. You start feeling his presence. That's why the enemy wants you to be all the time distracted, all the time engaged, working on this, working on that. Never have time for church. Never have time for a message. Never have time to read the Bible. Never have time to pray. Why? 
because he knows the more busy you are, the more out of reach you are for his glory. The more this spark of the divine that you carry, God's spirit, cannot be ignited. It's being kept in the busyness. For Christians, are you here? Same. The enemy has no problems with you calling yourself a Christian as long as you're not a powerful Christian. My English is not bad. Your revelation is weak. Yes. The enemy is like, oh, he goes to church. No problem. He's singing songs. No problem. Oh, now the, this guy is teaching them how to do spiritual warfare. Um, let's get him engaged in one of the three spirits that are stopping people. Number one is the spirit of fear. Are you here? Spirit of fear. It can come in different ways. You know, spirit of fear can come as a panic. Are you here today? A feeling of hopelessness. It can come in, uh, with doubt. You know, doubt that is like not normal doubt. Remember, the first words uttered by the snake in the Bible are, Did God really say? Oh, we are here. God, God led me to this church. Then the enemy comes. Did God really say? I will succeed. This marriage will succeed. The enemy goes, did God really say? Fear. Fear can be panic. Say panic. A feeling of anxiety. Say anxiety. Especially when you're having anxiety without any apparent reason. Has this happened to you? It happened to me in the past. I'm sitting on my computer, just watching something, a show or whatever. And then a feeling of anxiousness. Have you found yourself worrying? And then even asking yourself, what was I worrying about? I was thinking about something. I can't even remember what I was thinking about. But I still have the feeling of the thinking. Because my thinking creates a feeling. My feeling creates a body posture and a behavior. And the behavior invites God or the enemy. A foolish preacher told, told me once, what you're teaching is not biblical. It's just positive thinking. He says, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you should walk upright and you should be bold. I said, you're really limited. But let me give you one Bible verse probably never read. God spoke to Moses and said, you shall not anoint a cripple or a man that walks bended looking towards the ground. You should not anoint him to be a priest of the Most High God because he's crippled, because he's looking down instead of looking up. Everything you do with your body that you don't do with your body 
but your body does automatically could be an open door. Look at me. If you're not in control, who is? Look at me. I have one of my spiritual sons. I was telling him a few weeks ago. I said, son, stop doing this. He's like, what? I said, you're doing this all day long. I'm like, why are you doing this? He's like, I don't even know. I'm like, is somebody doing it? Look at me. What does this tell you? I'm happy. I'm in such peace. I'm, I'm enjoying the moment. Is that what he's telling you? Another guy was sitting. We're sitting at a table. Look at me. He's sitting. He's doing like this. The table is doing. I'm looking at him. I'm like, are you okay? He says, yeah, I'm great. I said, you're so peaceful. He said, I'm very peaceful. <laughs> you have to win the war in the body. After you win the war in the mind. When you win the war in the body, after you won the war in your mind, you will win the war in the spiritual realm. Clap like you believe it. Shout like you believe it. Fear. Are you ready for it? I said, are you ready for it? Number two, control. Have you seen controlling people? Have you met? Do you know some controlling people? Somebody's like, my wife. Don't look at your wife. You know, control often works with the spirit of flattery. Tells you, oh, you're so good, so amazing. Now obey me. Remember, the one that flatters is always the same guy that betrays. The only disciple that flattered Jesus was Judas. He ended up betraying him. Control also works in someone who cannot rejoice in others' achievement or success. You have this kind of people. I know people that are wealthier than me. But when they hear I made a big deal, they're not happy. It's like you wonder. I know people who have much more money than me. And still, they're envious of me. I'm like, I wonder why. It's a spirit of jealousy that works with a spirit of control. A person who has a spirit of control will micromanage every step. Some leaders are control freaks and they're proud of being control freaks. First, stop calling yourself a freak. I just can't help it. I'm just a control freak. Why don't you say, I just can't help it. I'm so spiritual. I actually don't need to control everything. I can't help it. I'm too gracious. Look at my smile. It's just coming naturally to me. 
Why do you tolerate darkness in yourself? There is a difference between an evil spirit and your temperament. Yes, an evil spirit can hide in your temperament. Are you here today? You don't have to allow the enemy to work in your life. Let me finish this. People who are control freaks, they make you feel, you know, like you cannot dance around them. You're not free. They're always judging you. Are you here today? They usually have, uh, you know, the desire to be mentors and leaders. But if you ask them, who's your mentor? Who's your leader? You never know. They want to be fatherless fathers. Am I preaching here? They want to be teachers who are never taught. There are prophets that don't have a prophet. Can I preach this thing? There are pastors that don't have a pastor. They are blind leading the blind. They have a spirit of control. Paranoia, jealousy. You know, for, for controlling people, they always have different expectations. Even if you do your best, it's never enough. Are you here? So now, if you're thinking about somebody, as I'm teaching this, somebody other than yourself, this proves that you have the spirit of control. Oh, this is good teaching. I like my teaching today. You know the spirit that operates in your life when while you're listening to the word of God, you're thinking, oh, I need to tell this to my friend. I need to tell, or maybe you're the wife sitting there and you're like turning to your husband. Did you hear that? We'll talk home more about this. If you're not identifying with the word, you're missing the word. The word doesn't come to you so that you can give it to your husband, your wife, or your friend. It comes to you so that you can get it for yourself and save your soul from the enemy. Are you here today? Say, speak to me, God. I'm listening. A spirit of rejection, I call it the most Christian demon. This is the most Christianized evil spirit. Is the spirit of rejection. You want to know if you have it? How many want to know? Say I. If you didn't say I, you have it. Let me give you a second try. You want to know? Say I. Hey, nobody has it in this church. You often compare yourself to other people and always feel like you lack something. You're not enough. This could be a spirit of rejection. Number two, sometimes you think that you have missed your opportunity or it's too late for you. Have you felt that? It could be just you thinking and being overcritical. But it could be a spirit of rejection. Are you here today? Number three, no matter how encouraged you are, you don't feel encouraged enough. 
You know, I have some of these, some of these people in my church. Can I teach this? They're not in this service. They were in the Bulgarian service, of course. You encourage them. You're like, you did a great job. And then you talk to them in a week and they say, oh, pastor, I never feel appreciated in this church. I never feel encouraged enough. Why? It could be a spirit of rejection. You want to please people and worry whether they like and understand what you're doing. Can I tell you something? If you want to please everybody, you will end up displeasing God. If you want to be friends with everybody, you will end up an enemy of God. Just look at Saul in the Bible. He turned his back on his calling and on God because he was afraid what will people say. Number six, you're easily offended by rejection or when you're being disciplined by leadership. This happens in the modern day church. When you tell somebody, hey, straighten up. Work on this in your life. Why are you doing this? Why are you not saying this? Instantly, God speaks to them to change the church. And Protestant, listen, evangelical, we are the worst in this. Because we believe we can hear the voice of God. So after you correct somebody, very quickly he hears the voice of God. God speaks to them to change the church. Why? Because the spirit of rejection doesn't understand that correction is not rejection. Correction is your only chance for perfection. Oh, come on. I'm trying to teach this thing. Clap like you believe that correction is not rejection. It's for your perfection. Shout if you believe If you feel like you always have to prove yourself to people or you feel like you're isolated in the conversation, you're like, how do I join this conversation? It could be just your temperament, but it could be a spirit of rejection. You think you could do better than the leaders who are teaching you if only you had the chance to show them. You feel misunderstood. It's like nobody understands what you're going through. You say to yourself, they can do this without me. You know, rejection many times works as a self-rejection because you have a fear of rejection. So you think, pastor will reject me. Therefore, I reject myself before he rejects me so that I don't feel rejected. Are you here today? Can I simplify? Can I simplify? Let me simplify. I feel like I know you, but I'm not sure that I know you. But I'm happy to see you. But I'm afraid that if I show you that I'm happy to see you, you might be thinking that I'm weird and not see me. So I just do a prevention and act like I don't know you. Isn't that interesting? We were sitting at the annual music awards, Bulgarian National Music Awards, 
thousands of people in an arena. We're sitting there. We're supporting one of our guys who is one of the best pop singers of Bulgaria. He won, I think, Song of the Year at that time. All of these artists, many of them, we know them. Met them in the studio. Some of them come to church. Some of them listen to our messages. They send us texts. Thank you. You're changing my life. It was amazing because I would say 99% of the people who won an award were either part of our church or being influenced by our ministry. And we knew them personally. 99%. So, but it's interesting. They're sitting at these tables. They're the VIPs, right? And me and my wife, we're just sitting close to the VIPs, but we're not like singer VIPs. We're just like guests. So we're sitting there. And we know all these people. Look at me. The younger celebrities that know us, look, Look, this is what they did. Like they saw us there. Like. But then while one of these girls was doing this to me, I thought maybe she was saying hello to the guy behind me. So I just turned. And then when I turned, she wasn't very happy. Because she felt... They would say hello from a distance. Smile. They wouldn't take the risk. You know, the biggest celebrities that have been in this for 10, 20, 30 years won most of the awards that night. Did you notice that? One of these guys, he was supposed to be on stage seeking. He came off the stage. He crossed the camera rail to come and hug us and say hello. Why? He wasn't afraid of rejection. Most people who are treating you badly are doing so because they are afraid you will treat them badly. So it's kind of a prevention. I'm not talking to you because I don't think you talk to me. I'm not showing you that I like you because if I show you that I like you, I think that you won't like me. And when you don't like me, this will hurt my feelings. Are you here today? This is not just psychology. This is theology. When you feel rejected. When you feel like you don't belong. When you feel afraid that people will not treat you correctly. You don't act from your higher potential you act from your flesh all of these three spirits work in a way to create a self-fulfilling prophecy I told you so I told you I will be rejected did you see I got rejected I told you he didn't say hello to us he didn't see us I told you it will happen I told you it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy control is a self-fulfilling prophecy so pastor you just told me in the beginning that uh, you will show me the trinity you show me the three major evil spirits that are working against me but you also showed me the antidote or the weapons for deliverance where are the weapons i showed them to you in the beginning i showed you the love of the father are you here today? It's the love that casts out every fear. 
I show you the grace of the Son. It's the grace that delivers you from the feeling that you need to control or the spirit that is trying to control you. And I showed you the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship that tells you, you are not rejected. You will never be rejected. You belong in the family of God. Come on and shout and clap like you believe it. Look at this. The first rebellion brought in fear. The serpent. You know, the one who created the hashtag FOMO, fear of missing out, is the first rebel, the serpent. The serpent talked to the, uh, to the woman and said, you're missing out on something. You know, there is something God didn't tell you. There is something you're missing out on. Say FOMO. Fear of missing out. Hey, the enemy is a specialist at making you feel like, oh, look at their life. Look at their Instagram. Look at their TikTok account. You're missing out. Look at that beach. Look at that money. Look at that fame. Look at that car. Look at his perfect family. You're missing out. You have the fear of missing out. And he said the love of God cast out every fear of missing the moment. You'll never miss the moment. The second rebellion is the rebellion for control. The fallen ones wanted to control the human race. No control like Holy Spirit control. I said there is no control like Holy Spirit control. You know what Holy Spirit control is called in the New Testament? Grace. Finesse. Grazia. They say, oh, this person is such a person of grace. Oh, she's so gracious. They have the grazia of the Holy Spirit. They have the grazia of the Son of the living God. They are free from control. They are servants of grace. And then the third rebellion is the rebellion at Babel where God rejected them and dispersed them. This is the spirit of rejection. But now he is calling them all back. Where? To the fellowship of the saints. You know, you don't need any other deliverance than becoming part of this church. All of these dimensions are in the church. The love of the Father is in the church. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit is in the church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is in the church. You partake in the divine nature through the Son. But how? Through His body. What is His body? The church. By being member of the church, you are delivered from the world and appropriated. Integrated, invited, theosis into the fellowship of the saints and the fellowship of God.
John said, if you have fellowship with us, you also have fellowship with God. If you fill your life with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father, and surrender to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, no evil spirit will have power or dominion over your life. In Jesus' name. Clap and shout like you believe. Come on and let's give God some praise here. Oh, come on and let's give Him glory. Come on and shout a little bit. As you shout, demons are leaving your life. As you shout, your children are being saved. As you shout, breakthroughs are taking place. In the name of Jesus. Lift your hands. Father, I decree and declare freedom right now. Lift your hands. Begin to receive it now. Father, I declare freedom. Freedom from every spirit of control. Every spirit of fear. Every spirit of manipulation. And spirit of rejection. Even where you rejected yourself. Right now. Take a deep breath. Be healed now in Jesus name. Be healed now in Jesus name. Rejection is leaving you. Fear is leaving you. Manipulation is leaving you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I believe this message has blessed and encouraged you to discover the strength and faith the Creator has put in you. If you'd like to support us, scan the QR code you see on the screen and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us, go to awakening.bg.